0: And if you're not feeling so abandoned and rejected, my guess is, and this is what I tend to see with the individuals that I work with, then there's a lot less anger, a lot less resentment. When there's a lot less anger, because remember, anger dysregulates us and we have to get rid of it. So when there's a lot less anger, there's a lot less projection. And you know what projection is, right? For instance, you obviously don't think I have anything of value to contribute. Or, I know you're mad at me. Or, I know you hate me. And as you can imagine, when there's less projection, the world no longer seems so dangerous. Can we ever truly heal our fragmented selves permanently? It feels very hopeless for me. I just want to try to save everyone else, like I've tried to do my entire life, but the fatigue and burnout finally forced me to slow down my efforts, which has unfortunately made me go inside my own head way too much and come to grips with the fact it's so disastrous in there that I'm tempted to go back to either one, psychotropic medications to try to dull my emotions, not very helpful at all, or two, fully immerse myself again in more volunteer opportunities. This is a heartfelt question from a listener of the Narcissism Decoder, and in this episode, I want to address it with care and consideration. It is also a very complicated question and story that she shares with us. I believe that breaking down this question can offer valuable insights for anyone susceptible or prone to thinking or living in extremes, where there's no middle ground. Everything is all good or all bad. Either or. See, either you love me or you're against me. Difference turns into disconnect. Understanding this extreme perspective, which we refer to in my field as a lack of integration, holds the potential for significant personal growth. So let's delve right into it. I'm quoting again from this listener. Due to fatigue and burnout, it forced me to slow down my efforts which has unfortunately made me go inside my own head way too much. It's so disastrous in there. I think you can all imagine how hard this listener must have been working to the point of extreme fatigue and burnout, to the point where she was quote-unquote forced to slow down. In other words, against her will, she didn't want to slow down. Why would one need to work so hard and so many hours? One possible explanation is to fend off much deeper feelings. This brings to mind a recent episode where we explored the possible meanings of trauma-bonded relationships, where I said they exist for many different reasons, one of which is to avoid loss. So, if there are unprocessed early losses, one way to deny the loss is to flee to a busy schedule where there's no time to think, no time to slow down, No time to reflect. This is all about a need for constant stimulation and excitement. Chaos, perhaps. Why? To ward off deeper feelings of who knows what. Because they're warded off, that's the whole point. But possibly to ward off painful feelings of loss, anxiety, depression, shame. You could fill in the gap here, okay? And maybe even intense frustration and rage. These are some of the possible feeling states that get, in my field, this is again what we call split off, and they seem to disappear. But this kind of splitting leads us right back to the heart of this woman's question. How do we truly heal our fragmented selves? In other words, she's asking about a split off self. When there's a split, there's a fragment. So in terms of healing the split or fragmented world, all of what is getting split off needs to be part of the discussion. In other words, we need to bring it back. In psychoanalytic terms, this is in my field, this must be analyzed and worked through before enduring change can take place. And by the way, her returning to more volunteer opportunities, she asked that in her question. This, in my opinion, will not solve the problem. It will only kick it down the road again. Again, until when? Until the next time that she's forced to slow down. It is clear that this listener never had time to consider this split-off side of herself. So what do we see? When she does slow down, she says, she goes inside my own mind, right? She goes inside, I'm quoting, my own head way too much. It's so disastrous in there. Again, this reminds me of something I said in an early episode on the need to create chaos. I said, what if the primary object and that's the primary caregiver, most likely a parental figure, the most important person in your formative years, is experienced as disruptive and therefore is represented in your mind as chaos and emotional turmoil. See, these are the things that begin to come back when one slows down. Early in life, because these caregivers are so important to us, it's kind of like through osmosis, against our will, We may not want this, but we tend to internalize them. In other words, we take them in. We take in the affective state, the feelings that go along with being with this primary caregiver. And that's not something we could get away from no matter how hard we work. We can't get away from that until, as I just mentioned a moment ago, when I said this must be worked through for real change to take place. One can imagine that this woman may have grown up in a family environment where she was left with feelings of excessive frustration, or there may have been trauma, abuse, or neglect. Why do I say this? You may be asking. Because in successful development, the developing child integrates different extremes into a complex, nuanced representation of the other. One can see that there's a mix. In other words of good and bad in everyone, love and hate. Individuals who experience narcissistic or borderline characteristics, the integration of these early and extreme representations does not take place. This listener perceives the world accordingly in abrupt extremes. And she, of course, in her mind, lives in these abrupt extremes. What does perceiving the world in abrupt extremes look like, you may ask? Let me allow the listener to answer that question. Let's return to her email. She said, and I quote, I seriously worry that I've turned into a narcissist because I've become so cynical about society as a whole. I'll keep trying to focus on the positive, more like I did before I relapsed back into what I'm assuming, is still a borderline self. Again, in terms of just thinking of tools and techniques of what could be helpful to you or somebody that you may know who lives in these extremes, this black or white world, either or, all or none, right? If focusing on the positive is of value, go for it if you know that works for you. But in my humble opinion, that's not going to lead to a long-term sustainable change. Why? Because that is just the other extreme. It's like you're ping-ponging from a view of the world as corrupt or dangerous. I don't know what she meant by cynical to the world as what? I don't know. Positive, loving, caring, giving. So this is the ping-pong back and forth. So if you just want to think in the positive, it's just negating the negative. It's not the integration that I'm referring to. In my practice and with the individuals that I treat, the goal is to modify and transform this image of the world, to not think about the world as good or bad or positive or negative, but as both, a mixture of complicated beings who possess both love and hate, good and bad, if we can oversimplify things like that but that's where it gets a little more complicated actually because we have to keep in mind that it's not one or the other it's not like these are the good guys and those are the bad guys this takes us to her first question can we ever truly heal our fragmented selves permanently again in my opinion The way that I like to think about this is the goal is integration. If there's a fragment, a split, the goal is to bring that together, to bring these very different views of oneself and others together. What does this integration look like? Here's a very simple example. Recognizing if someone holds a different opinion or perspective, it doesn't imply that they hate you. In other words, they have a different perspective than you. Understanding that difference does not equate to disconnect is crucial in terms of integration. A departure from the extreme way of thinking where any dissimilarity leads to a total breakdown. You hate me. Let me give a for instance. If a loved one disagrees with certain aspects of your life, such as your choice of occupation, your sexuality, your lifestyle, it doesn't necessarily mean That they are rejecting, I put this in quotes, all of you. In other words, this is a family member who may still be there for you in many other ways. Moving towards a more integrated state of mind enables you to acknowledge and accept differences without assuming complete disconnection. If you consider and recognize that there is not a complete disconnect, which is a form of abandonment, by the way. Like, in other words, if you feel that someone is completely disconnecting from you, we could probably say, I think it's safe to say that could be a form of abandonment. And if you're not feeling so abandoned and rejected, my guess is, and this is what I tend to see with the individuals that I work with, then there is a lot less anger, a lot less resentment. When there's a lot less anger, because remember, anger dysregulates us and we have to get rid of it. So when there's a lot less anger, there's a lot less projection. And you know what projection is, right? For instance, you obviously don't think I have anything of value to contribute, or I know you're mad at me, or I know you hate me. And as you can imagine, when there's less projection, the world no longer seems so dangerous, critical, or harmful. In other words, if you're not putting your anger out there on everybody and imagining that everybody is so angry at you, the world becomes a bit safer. So to return to the listener's email now, instead of being, and I quote, so cynical about society as a whole, you start to become less cynical. All right, that was a quick one today. I recognize that, but I want to take a moment before I conclude to thank the listener for writing in it takes courage and bravery to share your thoughts and feelings her contribution is valued and i really appreciate her willingness to open up and share that with this community to all the listeners i encourage you to share your stories or send your burning questions to me your voices matter and i like to hear what you're thinking but we have to stop there for today as always You know, I like to say, engage your mind and not your weapon. But a listener actually, Dom, a listener of the podcast suggested, engage your mind, not your ego. (laughs) And I actually think that's a little bit more appropriate considering we're thinking about narcissism and the fragile ego plays such a big role. So there you have it, folks. Engage your mind, not your ego. Until next time. Bye for now. Disclaimer alert. The Narcissism Dakota podcast is provided for general information purposes only. The content presented in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any psychological condition related to narcissism. The content on this podcast should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. For specific advice pertaining to narcissism, or any other psychological condition, you could reach me directly. I am an experienced mental health practitioner who is always taking on new patients. If you would just like a consultation, I can do that too.